0: The following audio is brought to you by Summerside Community Church in London, Ontario. For more information on Summerside, visit us online at www.summersidechurch.ca. If you haven't been around um, church for a number of years, you may not recognize that this is an old song that has been sort of updated and um, the the interesting thing about the update is that they they added uh, some other verses to it and one of the one, one of the aspects they added is the whole idea of the suffering even if i should face suffering god is still good and it ties in with what we're looking at today because we're talking about faith and and maybe you've heard people say uh they were going through something and say wow my faith was really stretched you ever heard anybody say that what is it that they meant by their faith being stretched? Well, it usually means something happened in their life that caused them to trust God more than they ever did before. They had to exercise faith more than usual. It implies that they were called to believe and act in a way that they wouldn't normally do it or they hadn't done before. Now think about that in terms of the way we've been defining faith. I've been talking about faith as taking god at his word and putting it into practice or another way of stating it is say we believe what he said and we act upon it he said it i believe it and i'm going to do something about it i'm going to act upon it and just about every step of faith is really stretching in some way right because we're called to believe what god said and, and usually it's going against what we would normally do And another word for it is challenging. It's like challenging our faith. Are we going to believe what God said? And are we going to do something about it? Are we going to allow allow ourselves to be challenged to step out of our comfort zone and do something when it really doesn't feel normal and we don't see the bigger picture? You know, thinking about faith as a challenge is really the theme of what we find in Hebrews chapter 11. Because The people that we're looking at are people who were challenged to live by faith, and as a result, they they left an example of faith. And the example that we're looking at today, which we'll be looking at over the next three weeks, is someone who could be called the GOAT of faith. Okay, You know what I mean by that? It's it's the little acronym that's used, especially in sports, the greatest of all time, the G-O-A-T. And Abraham could be considered the greatest of all time when it comes to somebody who lived by faith. Now, somebody could say, well, how about Jesus? Well, Jesus is in a category of his own. We're talking about humans that have to trust God in unique ways. And Abraham is is, is that one. In Galatians 3, Paul talks about Abraham as, as the one, those who have faith, those of us who have faith, are children of Abraham. Like he's the father of faith. Uh, and in that same passage, he's called the man of faith. And what's interesting is that when the writer of Hebrews talks about the reason why Abraham's faith stands out, it's because when God spoke to him, Abraham was challenged to take huge steps of faith. And today we're going to begin examining the challenges he faced. Now, in this passage, there are a number of... Uh, this is, this is the, the longest section in Hebrews talking about one individual. And it goes all the way from verse 8 all the way down to verse 19. And as, as you've been, if you've been following in our series, the author, the writer of Hebrews has been going back to Genesis and has been sort of tracing his way through Genesis, indicating the people that live by faith. So in Genesis chapter 4, we learned about Abel. Remember Abel? Offered a better sacrifice than his brother Cain. His brother Cain killed him. In chapter 5, we learn about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. God took him. In Genesis 6, we learn about Noah. And it actually goes from 6 to 9, where Noah built an ark. God told him that a flood was coming. He built an ark. In Genesis chapters 10 and 11, we have a table of nations. And then we have the, the Tower of Babel. And then at the end of chapter 11, in Genesis 11, we have this great character called Abraham. That's where he is introduced. So we're going we're to take this in Hebrews. Going back to Hebrews, there's this long section about Abraham, and it really sh- shows up in three paragraphs. Today, we're going to take the first paragraph. And if you if you have your Bible open to Hebrews 11, you'll notice that if you're using the NIV, with the translation we're using, the, the paragraphs break down quite clearly verses 8 through 12 talks about Abraham and Sarah and and their initial years well actually it's in their later years but they're the initial part of it and then there's going to be verses 13 to 16 we're going to deal with next week which it's like it's like the writer is is telling us about Abraham and Sarah and then he has this parentheses in there where he says now I I want to give you the bigger picture of what these people were waiting for and longing for and we'll see that next week and that's I'm really looking forward to that because that's one of the big themes in the Bible. And then in verses 17 to 19 of Hebrews 11, we have the the telling of Abraham offering his son Isaac uh, as a sacrifice, which was a huge event. So we're going to deal with it in those three sections. But before we get into it, let's do a little background on Abraham. So going back to, to Genesis 11, at the end of Genesis 11, we're told that about Abraham's father... In his family. Now, in Genesis 11 and 12, it's not clear exactly when God spoke to Abraham. Um, in but we do have a, because in in uh, Joshua 24, though, we do have a clear statement saying this is when God spoke to Abraham. Um, because in Joshua 24, Joshua before he um, before he he left. Before he died, he was the one that led, led the people into the into the land of Israel. Uh, Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up here. This is, this is a different passage here. Here's the issue. We tend to look at Abraham and we tend to think Abraham must have been a great man, right? Because that's why God called him, because he was this super saint, Far beyond anything in his day, like Noah, you know Noah was righteous in his day, all the other people were sinful, so God chose Noah to to obey him. Listen to the description in Joshua that Joshua gives us about about um, Abraham. Joshua said to all the people, "This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says: Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. He says he says Abraham and his father they worshiped other gods. He was not what you would say a right, was not a righteous man. He was not like Noah obeying God and following God. He was he was an idol worshipper. Now, God didn't make great promises to Abraham because he was a great man and he deserved it. Should it surprise us that when Jesus came who did Jesus go to? Did he go to the, the, the people that everybody looked up to as being the righteous people, the real religious leaders? He says, no. He says, I've come to call sinners to repentance. He went to the tax collectors and sinners and said to them, come, follow me. And when you read Genesis, it's not clear when God actually called him. Because in Genesis 11, it, you get the impression that God called him when he was in Haran, which was quite a ways away from where his family was from. But in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen retells the story of Abraham, he makes it clear when God appeared. Because in Acts 7 verse 2, Stephen says, The God of glory appeared to your father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Some of you are saying, where are these places? Okay, let me show you on a map. So on the map here, we're going to be able to see Ur of the Chaldees down in Mesopotamia is where... Abraham and his father, Terah, were from. That, according to Stephen, that's where God called Abraham. And he told him to take his family and leave. And he was going to take him someplace and he'll show him later. He didn't tell him where. He says, I just want you to follow me. Abraham takes his family and they follow. It's about 900 kilometers from Ur all the way up to Haran. Now, I was trying to get an idea of, okay, what does that mean for us? I mean, you know, for us to drive 900 kilometers, some of you will do that driving to Florida. You know, it's like, yeah, 900 kilometers, yeah, no, not a big deal. Nine hours, 10 hours, yeah, we can do that. These guys are, are traveling with in camels, okay? They're loading up camels, and at night, they unload the camel, set up their tent, have to move into their tent... Next morning, pack up their tent, put it on the camel, and go, and they're, they're going like 20 to 30 kilometers max in a, in a day. So it's taking them like a month and a half to get up to, to Haran. They get up there, and Abraham figures, yeah, this is a great spot, let's settle down here. This is, maybe this is where, the, where God was leading us. While he's there, his father dies, and they have to bury him, and God says, no, Abraham, this isn't, this isn't the promised land, you need to keep following me. And he takes Abraham another 700 kilometers down to Shechem, which is in the land, what we know now as the land of Israel. This was before it was called Israel. It was just a a land in the town of Shechem. And Abraham gets there and God tells him, this is the land that I'm giving to you. Now, this is a good place to stop and to end the story and listen to the, go back to the writer of Hebrews. Because in Genesis, we have the details of what happened, and they tell us what he did and how, God, how Abraham obeyed God. But when you get to Hebrews, in these short verses, the writer of Hebrews is telling us why he did it and what God was doing and what was happening. It's like he explains how his life, Abraham's life, was challenged on each step that he took, taking the step of faith. And what we need to see is that even though Abraham's challenges may have been huge compared to ours, each step that he takes is the same kind of step of faith that you and I have to face in our daily lives. There's a sense in which every time we're called to act in faith, we have to face a choice. Am I going to believe God and do what he says? Or am I going to keep doing what feels normal, what feels comfortable, and what feels safe? And Abraham had to make that choice. And you and I are facing the same challenges every day. It may may not be in major things like Abraham was dealing with, but it's still choices that we have to make. And when we get to the end of this message, I'm going to give you some of the choices that God challenges us to make every day. That For some of us, we we just sort of ignore them because they're they're big choices, but they're hard because they're not what I'm comfortable with. They're not the usual. They're not the normal, what we deal with. So let's let's go through this passage, and I'm going to start just a few verses at a time, starting with verse 8, and let's look at the challenges that Abraham had to face. Starting in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So God calls him to leave his homeland and to follow God to a place that God was going to give as his inheritance. Did he know where he was going? No, he was asked to follow. So what's the challenge that we see here? We find, first of all, that faith challenges our security. Faith challenges our security. See, what it does is it challenges us to obey when we don't know the future. Abraham was asked to obey God, to follow God, to go in this direction. When he did not know what the future was, he had to give up his past life and he had to go for something different, something else that wasn't there. Now, when God called Abraham, the clear indication in from Hebrews and in Genesis is that Abraham did what he was asked to do. He didn't stop and say, you know, God, thanks for the invitation. That sounds very intriguing. Um, Can I think about it and get back to you? I I just want to consider my options here first. Let let me look at my options. And if yours looks good enough, that's the one I'm going to take. Don't we tend to do that? It's like, yeah, God says that. But, you know, this over here, it looks like a better option for now. I'm just going to I'm just going to do this one. For Abraham, there were no other options. God said it and he went. Now. Let's, let's just clarify one thing here. Abraham was not throwing caution to the wind and just saying, I'm just going to give up my family. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to live by faith. And I've, I've heard of people that do that. You know, somebody says, well, I am just going to live by faith. So I've, I've quit my job. And I'm going to go sit at home and wait to see what God wants me to do. Uh, excuse me. God wants you to work. You have a job work. <laughs> And, and until you have another job or until God clearly indicates it's time for you to quit your job and do something else, I mean, you're supposed to do something. God called, God created us to be creative and to do stuff. And if we're not doing anything, we're not obeying God. So don't, don't, you know, living by faith isn't like saying, I'm just going to not do anything and just sit in my home until I figure out what God wants. No, do what you know God wants you to do. And, and until he tells you to do something different, then do what he, do what you know you, you need to do. There's a lot of stuff that the Bible already tells us to do that if we just practice this, we're going to be living by faith. Choosing to practice this is enough of a challenge, let alone sitting at home thinking, okay, let's just wait to see if anything happens. Because God will speak to us. And Abraham was responding to the direction God was giving him. He wasn't just doing nothing. He was obeying what God has said to him. Now, another thing to notice here is that... Most people tend to think of Abraham as following, taking big steps of faith, right? It's like he, these big things, like he had to pack up his family and move thousands, a thousand miles away. And we think, well, I'll never be like that. I'm never going to be like Abraham. And yet when you think about it, Abraham was really living more like a daily disciple than just a one hit wonder. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he had one decision to make and that was it. No, every day, Abraham got up. He had to pack up his camels and go the next 20 kilometers. And the next day, he would have to pack up and he would have to keep going. And every day, because he could have easily have said, "Ah, no, let's go back. I'm done. It's too much. No, but he had to make that choice every day. It wasn't just a one-time act of obedience. He had to keep choosing to obey God every day, just like you and I have to. Because there are many things that God tells us to do that we have to do. Every day you wake up, God tells you, this: you need to obey me. You need to live for my glory. You need to live to love other people. There are things that we need to choose every day. And that's what we mean by being a daily disciple, like living an everyday disciple. Just like Noah last week. Remember when Luke talked about Noah? How did, how did Noah build this big boat? It wasn't like, okay, one day, boom, the boat's done. No, he had to make a decision to every day, hammer another board on. Every day, take that next step, take the next step and the next plan. And it takes a long time. And I'm sure there were days when it's like, this is, I'm exhausted. I, I don't want to go any further. But it was a daily thing that he had to keep doing one at, one day after another. Now, one other Important little thing to note here. What kept him going day after day after day? You say, well, well, God commanded him to do it and he was obeying God's command. And that's true. God did make a command and, God, and he was obeying God's command. But there's something bigger here that, that I want you to notice that really was motivating Abraham. Because it wasn't just the command to obey but God gave him a promise, a promise of a better life if he obeyed him and followed his commands. Do you realize that every time God gives a command, he's giving you that command in light of a promise of a better life? We we read the, the Ten Commandments, and, and I didn't ask Luke to do that, but it's a great thing great thing to do. Some people look at the Ten Commandments and say, God's just a joy killer. He's just trying to take away our happiness. Like like he's trying to tell me I can't do all those things I really want to do. Well, maybe not killing people, but I mean, you know, it's like all those other things. It's like, do you realize that every time God gives a command in the Old Testament, you read you read the book of Deuteronomy, and and God says, You want you need to keep these commands for your own good. He makes he states that over and over again. He says, this is for your good. I have something better for you. And faith says, I'm going to believe that what God said about his promise, that he has something better for us, that I'm going to obey him because I want the better thing that he has to offer. And every time God tells you to obey him, it's because he has a better, something better for you. Now, until that comes, it may not be easy for Abraham. It wasn't easy. It was still a long journey. It took him a long time to get that better life. And in fact, we're going to see next week, he didn't really see it in his lifetime. But God always has something better for us. And we need to believe that and move on. We like to take hold of what feels comfortable, what feels safe, what feels normal. But faith calls us to obey when we don't know the future. But f- by faith, we're leading Leading to, God is leading us to a better future. That's the first challenge. It, it challenges faith, challenges our security. It, we obey when we don't know the future. In the next verses, we find another way in which our faith is challenged. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him. Of the, prom, of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You see, Abraham, we find him here going to the promised land, and when he gets there, there's a problem. Somebody else is already living there. It's like somebody is somebody's here. God is like, isn't this supposed to be my my promised land? But Abraham couldn't even take over the land. Like he couldn't even live in the land. There was it was too big, and he had didn't have enough people. And what does Abraham have to do? He has to live like a stranger in a foreign land. He doesn't even have a permanent house or property. He's living in a tent. So here's the second challenge that this brings us. Faith challenges our relationships. It challenges our relationships. We have to persevere when we don't fit into the present. Abraham is challenged by God to be a blessing more than anyone else in in in. in in history i mean God, god blesses him in a great way and he responds to that challenge by giving up his security going with god into an unknown future but the god puts him in a very awkward situation he's in the land that god promised him but he has no status he has no reputation he doesn't even have acceptance and recognition he's treated as a stranger in a foreign country Abraham would have been tempted to look at the to people that were treating him like a stranger. He was, do you realize this is my country? God promises to me, this is my land. No, he doesn't do that. He recognized that people are going to treat him as a stranger. And he recognized, he accepts that. And I'm sure there were days when he was probably thinking, you know, life would have been a lot easier back in Ur where the family was there. And if I had a problem, I would just call up my cousin. He'd come over with his whole crew and help me deal with my tent problem or help me get the flocks together or help me do this or that. And we would get together and we used to have big parties together. It was just a great get family celebration. But here he was on his own. He was a stranger in a foreign country. Do you realize that there's a sense in which God was telling him, you already have the promise but not quite yet that theme is a theme that once you understand that it changes your whole perspective on on the new testament because god says to us when jesus came and he said the kingdom of god is here he says look if i am if i'm casting out demons then I am demonstrating to you the kingdom is here because I am the king, I am here. So there's a sense in which the kingdom of God is here and the disciples were excited. He saw Jesus do miracles, demonstrating the, the power of God's kingdom. But then he left. It's like, wait, wait a second. I, I thought the kingdom was God, but the kingdom was here. Like, why aren't you bringing it to its ful- fulfillment? Well, God had another plan. Jesus left and he said, look, I'm going to come back. And establish my kingdom fully and completely and defeat all the enemies. But until then, you need to keep doing what I've called you to do. Because very often, God has something he wants done. He makes a promise. He says, this is what I'm going to do. But until that is done in its fullness, there are a billion other things I want to do. And you can think of it that way. The reason why Jesus hasn't returned yet is there are a billion other things he wants to do before that happens. And you and I don't know, don't know what all those good things are, but we have to trust Him to say, you know what? I'm going to trust Him. And until that happens, and it's true about your adoption. You know, the Bible says that we are adopted into God's family. We are sons and daughters of God. That's an amazing thing. But then Paul says in another passage, says we wait for our adoption. Well, it's like, yeah, we're adopted into God's family, but where where is it? You know, like like we're stuck here. We're waiting to be reunited with with Christ and be in God's home. And it's the same as true when it comes to not only adoption, not only God's kingdom, but another one that, that he mentions is eternal life. Jesus says, you believe in me, you will have eternal life now. So right now, you and I, if you you've put your faith in Christ, you have eternal life now. But we wait until we go through death, until we end up with eternal life. Here, Abraham had already received the benefit of living in the land, but it wasn't yet fully his. He's stuck living in tents. I don't know about you, but I don't mind living in a tent if I'm in Algonquin Park for a few days. But I don't think I could handle living in a tent for a long time. I mean, a tent is not like a city. It's not like a house. It's not like, because a tent is not very safe. You know, it's hard to protect a tent from robbers if you're not going to be at your tent all the time. You know, if the rain comes or the winds blow, you know, your tent isn't that stable. A tent is not, is not a secure permanent place, but because of his choice to live by faith, he ended up being a foreigner, in a stranger in a foreign country. Now, verse 10 helps us to understand what, what Abraham was thinking, and, and I don't have time to go in it because we're going to deal with this next week when we get to verses 13 to 16 because the same theme is there where it says that he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And you get into verses 13 and 16, and it talks about what they were expecting, what they were longing for, and how we can long for those same things. But we will get into that later. For now, let's look at the third challenge that faith brings us. And this challenge brings Sarah into the picture. Uh, In fact, in verse 11, it indicates that Sarah had to exercise faith along with Abraham. Listen to what it says. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. Now the writer of Hebrews would assume that anybody reading this uh, that he was writing to they would have they would have known about Abraham and Sarah, uh, they would have known about Sarah how they had left Ur when they were Abraham was seventy five years old, and now he is ninety nine so like almost twenty five years have passed, and he describes notice how he describes Sarah Sarah who is ninety years at this ninety years old at this time describes her politely as past childbearing age isn't that typical you know how you you know you describe you don't want to offend anybody so it's like uh, you know she's not old she's just past childbearing age it's like she's been in menopause for over two decades you know i mean she's old okay but notice how how he describes abraham bluntly he was as good as dead it's like he's, he's an old man it's like it's like god made the promise the promise wasn't fulfilled she's past her childbearing age he's as good as dead And that shows us the third challenge that we find about faith. And that faith challenges our logic. Right? It's illogical that these two elderly senior citizens would have a child. But they're called to expectantly wait when their options have expired. And faith challenges us. Sometimes beyond logic. Sometimes we have to expectantly wait for God to act even though all hope is, human hope is gone. I mean, from a human perspective, all options for having children have expired. The idea that this old couple would have a baby is so outlandish that at two different times when the angel tells them that they're going to have a baby, Abraham laughs, and then Sarah laughs. Two different occasions, they laugh. And what does God do? He says, okay, that's what you think? I'm going to call your child Isaac, Laughter. Called this child. The child's name Isaac is, is the name laughter. He said, you guys are laughing about it? Okay, I got to keep you laughing. God has a, has a real sense of humor here. In fact, uh, Abraham's name, you know, Abra- Abraham's original name was Abram, not Abraham. And Abram is exalted father. He had that name for 99 years. God says, I'm going to change your name. And I'm going to make it Abraham, the father of a great multitude. Can you imagine Abr- Abram going to the market? You know, he's 99 and his buddy calls us. Hey, Abram, how are you doing? He says, uh, God changed my name. My name is no longer exalted father. It's the father of a multitude. And the guy says, what? Are you kidding me? Like, is this some kind of a joke? You don't even have any kids. How can you be a father of a multitude? Like God just just wants them to understand what he's doing. And it's like, this is incredible what God is doing. It had been 25 years since God made the promise, and now they have to wait, hoping against hope. They've been waiting so long, their options have ex- have expired, but God made a promise, and at some point, these two stopped laughing about it and tried having a child, and she gets pregnant, and within a year, these two old senior citizens are changing diapers. Can you picture it? It's like, oh, man, I'm past that, okay? Um, If the kids are over, faith takes care of uh, changing diapers. It's uh, I'm too old for that. Now, remember what we noted earlier. Very few of us face these monumental choices that Abraham and Sarah did. But we have a lot of clear choices that God gave us to make. And Jesus, when he was on this earth, he told us what God's will was. He revealed God's will to us. One of the things he said is, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Make God's kingdom your top priority in everything you do. How many of us do that? How often do we respond to God in faith and say, God, I'm going to obey what I know you asked me to do to seek the kingdom of God above all else. Well, I'll do that as soon as I get these other things done first. That, that they're okay. They're not really priorities, but I have to do them first, right? It's like. No, do we, do we really, are we really choosing to make steps of faith, doing what God has called us to do? God says, don't worry because your heavenly father will take care of everything. Do you worry about where you you know, what, what your money is like and, and what your kids are going to happen or what, what you're going what's going to happen in the future? Don't, God says, don't worry, like obey God's command. Now I know that it gets complicated with, you know, emotional stuff and psychological stuff, but. But we need to consciously think about these commands that God has given us. He says, be generous with what you have. You know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, you get your tax receipt and say, "Say, okay, is this a demonstration of generosity? Or is this just a demonstration that I'm, I've got too many other priorities and I'm not, not really seeking the kingdom of God first? God has given us commands that are clear. He may not be calling us to pack up and move away to some unknown place, but he is giving us clear commands. And he's saying, I want you to live by faith. I want you to make choices, and sometimes they may defy logic, but you need to choose to do what God has called you to do. And he says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He says, be holy. Are you being holy in every aspect of your life? Are you making that choice to deliberately choose to be holy, to deliberately choose to do it all to the glory of God? Now, maybe as you're listening to me, you're thinking, you know, that's beyond my league. I'll never be like Abraham. I'm, I've, I'm too much of a failure. I've, I've blown it too many times. I've tried, I've tried that and it didn't work. Let me encourage you to read the rest of Abraham's story in Genesis. Starting in Genesis 12 and you go to Genesis like 25. And you read about Abraham this great man of faith that ended up getting his servant girl pregnant because he didn't trust God enough for the promise. The one who lies about his wife puts her in life in danger because he's not trusting God. He blew it several times. And those are just the ones we have recorded. Don't use the excuse that you are not good enough to put your faith in God and to trust God for whatever he has for you. He, want, he is going to give you what you need when you take steps of faith. He's going to help you to take that step. You need, to t- you need to take the step of believing that he is true. Because do you realize that you and I understand way more than Abraham did? Abraham had none of this. Abraham did not have a Bible. All he had was this command from God. And that's all he knew. We know what God is like. We know what God has done. We have this history of God working in hundreds of people's lives. And we have clear commands that God says, do this. I want you to do this. Don't do this. This is what you need to do. This is how to live. We have these clear commands. What's our excuse? Have you taken that first step of faith? The first step is to say, God, I'm a sinner. I deserve punishment, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I want to receive the free gift of eternal life that Jesus offers me. And if you've taken that step, that's the first step. But then if you've taken that step, what's the next step? What is it that God is asking for you? Would it it, maybe something you read in your in your devotion? Say, God, God. Clearly, wow, this is something I'm I'm angry with my brother. I I better go deal with that. Are you going to obey him? Sometimes that the challenge is going to challenge your security. Maybe God is asking you to to do something that's going to challenge what you're holding on to. Whether it's money or reputation or status or or some kind of relationship issue. He invites us to obey even though when we don't where we don't know he's leading us. It's going to challenge your relationships. You won't fit into the present, the present. We're going to feel like aliens. And more and more in our world, we feel like strangers and aliens in this world. And the whole New Testament talks that that's normal for Christians. Uh, Jesus said, don't be surprised if the world hates you. That's, that's the way it is. We live as aliens in this world because we're longing for a promised land, a future that's far better than the present. And we know that it's going to happen. God gave us that promise. We need to obey him even in the little things that he takes us through. And sometimes it's going to challenge our logic. We're going to be called to believe someone we can't see, leading us to a place that we've never been, but he'll take us through experiences that we can't understand, but he's going to do it and we can trust him. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's table. And I want you to think about the fact that when Jesus was with the disciples in the upper room, he said to them, "I mean, they're, they're excited, right? Because here, they, he was. Jesus was going to die, and they were, they were nervous about him dying. And they didn't know. And then even later, he rose after he rose from the dead. They were excited about that, but." Uh, he was going to leave and he says to them in the upper room as he meets in that at that last supper He says i'm going to give you something to remember me by And I want you to do this in remembrance of me So as we do it, I want you to think about what god is calling you to do the steps of faith that god You know that god is calling you to do Maybe it's a little thing that you need to do tomorrow morning Maybe it's something you need to do right now And ask god to help you to believe that just as those disciples were in fear of Jesus going to the cross and dying, he said, you can trust me because I am giving my life for you. Let me pray for you and then we're gonna celebrate the Lord's table and I'll ask the uh, ushers to come at this time. Father, you are so great and your plan is beyond our understanding. There's so much that you call us to believe, and it's, we find it difficult to believe, even though you are, your ways are beyond our ways, and we should just accept it. Help us, even as we spend this time celebrating the Lord's table, to think about the fact that Jesus gave his life for us, he lived the perfect life so that we could follow him even to death. And thank you that he is, through his death, he has provided the forgiveness. In his blood. To take this time to receive not only his forgiveness. But to celebrate what he has provided for us. In Jesus name. Amen.